stuff, Danny. Thank you. Well, I think 99% of people would say that was amazing. <laughs> and for the 1%, come and speak to me. So, good stuff. Bless you, Danny. Just so good. Uh, how's everyone doing? Good, 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 good. It's good to see some new faces here. Welcome again. Don't forget to pick up that welcome bag. Uh, lots of goodies in there. Um, so, including a free coffee at the Blend Bar, some chocolates, music, all you could want. So, do pick one of those up. Right, well, um, we have, we're in a new series now, which I'm going to unveil in a moment. But as Danny said, the past couple of weeks, we have been uh, looking at the reach, our reach vision. God is calling us to extend our reach to reach the lost by what? Creating? And? Right. <clears throat> what have I done wrong, Trevor, these past few weeks? Have I done something wrong? I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Let's go again. Creating spaces and places for people to encounter Jesus. Hey, give yourself a hand. Well done. A lot of work, a lot of work. It's all right, it's only March. We've got lots until December. That's what we're doing this year. We're creating spaces and places for people to encounter Jesus. Why? Because it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, right? It's all about Jesus. Jesus transforms lives. And that's why we want to create the spaces for people to encounter Jesus within this building, next door, and new service formats, and places with our uh, new sites that we're launching, Hatfield site with AJ and Jenna coming up later in the year. Yeah, let's give them a whoop. Um, it's not too late. You know, if you, if you live in the vicinity of Hatfield or in Hatfield or you feel called, you know, speak to these guys. You know, we're currently in the phase of building team. It is quite an exciting adventure. Um, I know Agent Jenna would love to speak with you. Guys, uh, with you. So, uh, yeah, put your hand up if you are interested in that. And so on the past two weeks, we've been looking at everyone gets to play. What is our response? And, of course, uh, money is part of our response to what God is doing in lives. And I'm not going to go through the past two weeks if you missed that. You can catch up on our website or on our app. Um, but do take one of these brochures. On the back is a pledge form, our offering, over and above our tithes. You know, as Christians, as Danny said, our tithe is part of our worship. You know, if you're part of this church, if you call this church home, our expectation is that you're tithing. Why? Not because we're looking for a membership fee, we're not a social club, but because we expect everyone is focused on becoming, growing like Jesus. And it's part of that. It's part of growing to be like Jesus, part of our giving. So uh, do that. But if there is an offering that you have, um, don't forget on the back of this form, you can fill in a pledge, complete this, put it in the welcome, um, in the welcome box, um, and uh, we'll continue to reference that as we go. Well, listen, as I said, we are on a brand new uh, series, and uh, I... Um, I, I, I have been excited about this series, but if I'm completely honest with you, I'm a little bit nervous about this series. Um, I'm nervous because I feel completely inadequate to talk about what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks. Uh, we are talking on the subject of mercy. Mercy. Why am I excited? Well, we've just sung about it. Why am I excited? Because God's mercy changes lives. But why am I nervous? Because... How can a mere man talk about the greatness of God effectively? <laughs> you know, God's mercy is amazing. And what we're going to do over the next few weeks, culminating in Easter Sunday, is we're going to look at the power of God's mercy in our lives. And so my prayer is, recognizing that I can't do a good job of talking about the depth and the breadth and the width and the height 
of God's mercy. But my prayer is that just if you can catch a smidgen of it, if you can hold on to it, and don't let yourself be distracted by the person next to you or the stuff you've got to do this afternoon, whether that be your ironing or whatever it might be on a Sunday afternoon. Please say, Lord, what have you got for me? Because these next few weeks are going to be life-changing if you, if you say, Lord, this is for me. And so I think that I'm going to pray. Uh, prayer is always a good thing. Let's pray, and then we're going to get into what God has for us. Thank you, Lord. In fact, can you all stand as I pray? Oh, Lord, we, we, uh, <clears throat> we just love being in your presence. Lord, I pray that today would mark the start of something new for each one of us. Lord, we come here, as we reflected earlier, weary and troubled by the events that we see around the world. The, the things that are on our very own door, the, the prices of petrol, the energy prices, the, the inflation. Lord, these things perplex us and distress us. And if we're honest, we feel a little bit out of control and a little bit full of fear. But Lord, it is in your place of your tender mercy that we find your comfort and your peace and your healing. It is in your place of mercy that we can walk in all that you have for us, knowing that your plans and purposes are good for us, Lord God. It is in your place of mercy that we find forgiveness. It is in your place of mercy that shame falls away. It is in that place of forgiveness that guilt melts away. It is in that place of mercy that we can come running into your arms because we're searching for a father who loves us. And I pray, Lord God, that you would come in power this morning, that we would experience something of your mercy upon each one of us. And God, please, you know my prayer. Take these inadequate words, these jumbled thoughts, and would you do something with them for your glory? Lord, your word says that your word that is set forth with accomplish that which it's set forth to do, just as the rain comes to water the ground. I pray that for this morning. I pray for everyone that's hearing my voice, that these words would bring life and nourishment to a weary soul and that they would bring fruit in abundance. I pray that this morning would be a morning that we mark in our diary as a morning of encountering you, Jesus. And I pray this in the precious name of our Lord and our Saviour and everyone said, Amen. All right, why don't you take a seat? So when you think about mercy, what do you think about? Shall I tell you what I think about? This game that we used to play at school. Some of you know where I'm going with this. AJ's like, I know where you're going with this. Yeah, I got some idea. I don't know if kids do it these days. It's probably outlawed and banned, isn't it? Um, but I remember playing mercy. I used to like that game. Uh, and I, doing a bit of research, a study for this talk. It's part of a category of games called um, competitive pain games. Who knew? I didn't decide to search any further for that 
uh, for fear of what would come up on Google search results. So uh, I decided to leave it at that. But if we're into competitive pain games, maybe you need some prayer, my right, your left. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think about Game of Mercy, and I remember a particular occasion. I was in sixth form, so not wishing to put an age on me. Uh, it was probably almost 30 years ago. You don't look, you're not that young, surely, Mike. Yeah, I really am. Don't let these grey hairs deceive you. Um, and I remember this guy, I can't remember his name. All I remember is a pretty big guy. And I was always pretty good at arm wrestles, just saying. And so I thought, well, I could probably um, do well at this game of mercy. So I said, let's, let's go for mercy. There's, there's a point to the story, by the way. We'll get there in a moment. So we started this game. And, you know, at the start, it's like, is he going to win? Am I going to win? And, and we're getting to a point, and I was like, should I say mercy? I'm like, oh, not quite yet. I reckon if I can just go for my splinter move, I'll get him. The problem was I came down and I was near the corner of this table. And as I came round, uh, cut right there. I have, still have this scar to this day, FYI. And I said mercy way too late and blood gushed everywhere. I can't remember whether he was, a, you know, sorry or, or not, but uh, there was, I was certainly sorry that I hadn't said mercy earlier. Um, and so my, my scar here is a reminder of God's mercy, actually. There you go. Um, <laughs> Now, of course, this is not a perfect example of God's mercy because God doesn't come asking for a competitive pain game with you. You'd be pleased to know. But what it rather does is sums up the point that <laughs> mercy, he could have carried on, right? I was in that position, but he, was able, he relented on me. He relented. Now, if you were to Google what mercy means, one of the definitions is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone who it is within one's power to punish or to harm. He certainly was in a position to harm me, but yet he had compassion on me, either that he was scared by the blood, and uh, he stopped. Um, someone's playing a competitive pain game, I think, outside. Uh, and of course, for us, you know, what I want to say is that Christians, mercy is the reason you and I are here, quite frankly. Mercy is the reason you and I are here. And that's what we're going to look at. Now, when we think about mercy... Oftentimes, we use mercy and grace interchangeably. We're not exactly sure what the difference is between the two, mercy and grace. So why don't we, why don't we start by making sure we're all on the same page there? You see, mercy and grace are actually the two sides of the same coin in salvation. Let's put it that way. They're, they're, they're two sides of the same coin, but yet they are different. You see, when God saves us, he extends both mercy and grace. Mercy is the first step, forgiving us of our sins and withholding, listen, the punishment that is justly deserved by us. We're all being sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so in God's mercy, he shows compassion and relents and doesn't show us the justice that we deserve. And then his grace, you see, then pours undeserved blessings upon us, okay? So put it this way, mercy is withholding what we deserve. Grace is giving us what we do not deserve. I'll say that again. Mercy is withholding what we deserve. Grace is giving us what we do not deserve. And we can see this in our own lives, no doubt. And of course, in the Bible, and as David Jeremiah put it, he put it this way. He was a pastor in the US. He is a pastor. 
Mercy, you see, if we look at the scriptures, it holds back the knife that was about to be used on Abraham's son. Grace provides the ram that was then sacrificed. Mercy runs to forgive the prodigal son. Grace goes and get him a ring and a robe and a fattened calf for a party. Mercy hears the cry of the thief on the cross. Grace enables him to enter paradise with Christ. If we were really to get to the nub of it, mercy takes us out of hell. Grace sends us to heaven. That is our default. Without accepting Christ as our Lord and our Savior, that is our default destination, but it doesn't need to be because his mercy abounds for whoever will say yes. And so grace is poured upon us and we're given a ticket to spend eternity with him. I know which choice I would like, please. But why is it then? Why is it that God shows us this mercy? Why is it that he seeks to hold back judgment upon us. Why don't we turn together and look at Ephesians chapter two. It'll be on the screen. Uh, Where's Ephesians? Here we go. Ephesians chapter two, four to five. Why don't we read this together? But God being rich in mercy. You're reading it. This is wonderful. Keep going. But God, that surprised me. I love this. Let's read. But God being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Well done, church. Wow. Can we capture this? Listen. But God being rich in mercy, not a little bit, not a just enough amount, but rich in mercy. Why? Because of his great love. You see, the mercy of God is an outworking of his love for us. The outworking of his love for us is in his merciful actions towards us. Listen, God, God's default position is not, I would really rather judge everyone and send them to hell. But if they maybe ask, I might think about it. That is not God's position and posture. He is wishing that no one would perish, but all would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You see, God is a God of love. He's a God of love that is looking for every single opportunity to pour out his rich mercy upon you. The prodigal son didn't have to get too far back to home before his father came running towards him. You want a picture of God's mercy? That's God. That's God. He's waiting to run to us in mercy and pour out his grace upon us. And maybe this morning, this is the word that you need to hear. You need his mercy. You need him to break in and break through. You know, I want to look at eight characteristics of his mercy. I want to unpack what it means when Paul said rich in mercy. What does that mean, rich in mercy? 
I want to just try and give you a bit of a taster, a bit of a taster of that, that mercy that we're talking about. The first one is this. It is tender mercy. It is tenderly offered to us. Listen, God is not there with a big stick looking to beat us up whenever we do something wrong. He is a tender God looking to save us from the wrong that we've done to ourselves. Parable of the lost sheep. Did the shepherd say, whoa, one of my sheep, they're a little bit stupid. They've gone off on their own. Hold it, 99. I'll be back in a moment. I want to go and teach this sheep a lesson. Did he do this? He goes and he searches out and he finds the sheep. There because of the sheep's own stupidity. I know in my life that the time I say, Lord, would you have mercy, is because I've got myself there because of sheer stupidity. I know you're not like me. You're all very smart, intelligent people <laughs> with a lot of common sense, but that's just not me. And in that place, God, the shepherd, came. And what did he do? He tenderly picked up the sheep, carried it back in love. Don't let the enemy stop you from saying, I'm sorry, I messed up. Please have mercy. For fear that God is going to shout at you and say, well, I told you you'd do it, you silly Billy. Does anyone use that phrase, silly Billy, anymore? I don't know. <laughs> but God's mercy is tender and gentle. God is tender. Do we know this? Do we, do we allow God to show us that? Number two, it is great mercy. Nothing is little in God. You know, his mercy, as Charles Spurgeon said, the great uh, Victorian preacher, it is mercy extended to great sins of great sinners, <laughs> of which as I join Paul, I am the much of those, or I am much a great sinner, English such as that. I can't get my words out today, I told you. Thank you. Bless you, Sally. But you see, God's mercy is great. It's greater than our sin. There is no sin by which God says, whoa, didn't plan for that one. Oops. Sorry, can't help you out there. No, whatever you have done in your life, whoever you think you may be, no sin is too great for a great God. No sin is too great for his great mercy. Number three, his mercy is undeserved. Undeserved mercy. Well, of course, all mercy must be, right? Deserved mercy is a contradiction, of course. But yet, how often do you find yourself say this? Oh, I'm just such a bad person. God won't forgive me. Look what I did this morning. Look at the, listen, yesterday I lost the plot with the kids. I did. I had to say sorry. I just, I just was over it. I know you guys are probably perfect parents, but uh, I'm on a journey. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, please. Oh, crumbs. The danger is, is like, I can't go to God right now because I've been so bad. I was like, sorry, Mark, you're asking for mercy. 
Did you realize it's undeserved? Did you realize that I am tender in my mercy? Do you realize that my mercy is great? Do you realize that I'm actually waiting to run to you the moment you say, forgive me? That's the kind of mercy we're talking about. You cannot earn it. Number four, healing mercy. You see, it's like a golden ointment. It's a heavenly bandage on your broken bones. Once again, borrowing from Charles Spurgeon. In his mercy is his healing. In his mercy is his healing. And if your heart is broken this morning, if your emotions are pummeled, if your mind is full of fear and apprehension and anxiety and regret and guilt and shame, it is in that place of mercy that he comes and pours out his love and his healing upon you. Number five, his manifold mercy. What on earth does manifold mean? (laughs) And yes, there is a manifold in a car probably. I'm not talking about that manifold. Mercy is not limited to one area of our lives. Manifold means multiple. It abounds in all things, in all areas. Whatever it may be, his mercy covers it. Whether it's pornography or alcoholism, whether it is bitterness, whether it is gossip, whether it is malice, whatever it is, his mercy is manifold. God's seen it all before and he's prepared for it before. Because when Jesus said, it is finished, he meant all of it. When he died on the cross and said, it is finished, he means that he's accomplished for all of it. While no sin is too great, the breadth of your sin is not too wide for God. You know, oftentimes as Christians, what we do is we can come to God for, let's say, nine out of 10 things. And there seems to be this one thing that has got so much guilt and shame attached to it, we say, surely God can't forgive me. He could have maybe the first time, maybe the second time, maybe even the 10th time, but the 20th time, really? Yes. Over and over and over. Why? Because number six, it is abounding mercy. It's never exhausted. His mercy doesn't have a best before date. It doesn't expire. He doesn't give you mercy and say, right, you've got, this message is gonna self-destruct if you don't use it within two minutes. You know, it's not, nothing like that. It's not a mission impossible thing. His mercy, is exa- it doesn't exhaust itself. It is free flowing from his very being. It is who he is. Lamentations 3, 22, 23, one of my favorite verses. His mercy is anew every morning. Thank you, Lord. There's a reason I like this verse, because I need his mercy every day. And by the way, don't you think that 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 verse suggests that we do? Otherwise, what's the point? Thank you for your mercy, but I got some yesterday and I'm good today. You know, it's Saturday, I've had a really good week, Lord. His mercy, his compassion, his loving kindness. When I wake up, I'm like, thank you, Lord. Oh, but you still love me. 
Thank you that your mercy didn't run out yesterday because I came to you with 10 things. Number seven, it's unfailing mercy. It will never leave you. It will never forsake you. It will always be available to you. It will be with you in temptation. It will be with you in trouble. It will be with you that moments that you're on the floor crying and you're saying, Lord, help me. It is unfailing. Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is a promise. But here's the interesting thing. The psalmist says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He needed to look back to see that that was the case. Maybe just pause and look back and say, Lord, can I see your mercy in my life? And I guarantee you'll be able to say, ah, you know what, actually, I remember that time. His mercy was great. I remember that time of his unfailing love. His mercy was great towards me. And number eight, his everlasting mercy. Psalm 103, verse 17, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. That's like saying eternally eternal, just to make the point on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. Mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. You know, nothing can separate us from the love of God. You know, in, in this current world where we have the dimensionality of time and space, you know, it says God is outside of time. He sees the end from the beginning. In fact, he declares the end from the beginning. Put it this way, it's like, um, it's like you know, you get parades down the streets. And let's say you're midway in the parade. You're in the present. The past has been where the parade was and they'll be in the future. But you see, God is outside time. He's like he's in the helicopter reporting on the parade. You can see what happened at the start and you can see the end. And there will be a time where we are separated from this dimension, if you like, this world. That's what death, death is, separation. That's what death means. And we're separated to be with him outside of time and space for all eternity to be with him in heaven. And you see, his mercy, we don't get to heaven. He goes, oh, I'm glad you're here, but I've got some bad news for you. My mercy ran out. Yeah, sorry. Joe that just came up recently, he used it all up. It's everlasting to everlasting. You know, oh, come on. Christian hope. What is Christian hope? That we're going to be with him for eternity. I'll tell you something. When you look at this world, you say, thank goodness I'm going to a better place. I mean, you know, the, the, oh, don't get me started, honestly. Maybe I should get started. You know what? We have become so comfortable, so comfortable in this world ever since the 40s, 50s. We, you know what? I, I speak to people about being with the Lord for eternity and like, you know what? I'd rather we came not right now because I've got so much to do here. I don't want to be rude, but... That just shows me what a small view you have of eternity and what a small view you have of being in his presence. Heaven is not going to be a place that we all uh, float around in clouds and play harps. It's not. Sharon's going, oh, I like harps. Well, you, can, you can do harps. We're still going to be the same people with the same desires and the same skills, but just without the inhibition of sin around us and decay, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. 
and we'll rule and reign with Christ Jesus. If that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what does. Thank you. Amen. I mean, I know we're charismatics, but we can be a bit Pentecostal now and again with the amens. It's fine. Doctrinally, it's not a problem. But it's because of his great mercy that we get to spend eternity with him. Oh, I can't wait to be with him. Come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha, honestly. But right now, while we're here, we have his mercy extended to us every day. His promise is for the future, but it's also for the present. And I want to walk in his mercy because I mess up so frequently. And, and therefore, what I want to do is look at a story in Acts, which I think is just a beautiful way of talking about God's mercy. But before I do, let's just look at that eight. Maybe you want to make some notes. I've seen some of you taking snaps. His mercy is tender and great and undeserved. It is healing. It is manifold. It is abounding. It is unfailing. It is everlasting. Hands up if you want some of that. Good news, it's free. Don't need to tap and swipe for one of those. Now, let's look at the book of Acts. And I want to look at a story in the final short moments I seem to always have at the end. And we're going to look at a story of God's mercy in action. It's in Acts 27. We're not going to read it together, but essentially what happens prior to this, Paul's, Paul's in chains and he's going to be transported. And uh, he says to the people on the ship, listen, you guys shouldn't go out because it's, I'm telling you right now, it's, there's going to be some danger. In fact, the waves are going to come up. He's like, don't do it. Have you seen the boat we built ourselves? The Titanic of the day. And so what do they do? He's like, okay, fair enough. I did warn you. And so they go off. And what happens? You guessed it. Storm comes. And they're freaking out, to use Old New Testament language. They're freaking out. Ah! It doesn't say ah in the scriptures. I'm putting it in for color and uh, all that stuff. And then in verse 21, Paul says this. You should have listened to me of that. Guys, you should have listened to me. I told you. If you go and try and do your own thing with, without God, I mean, Paul here is a type of the word of God here, right? You see where I'm going with this. You see, we are the people in the ship, and the ship is the lives that we try and construct without God. We can do it without God. Look at our ship. It's amazing. It's got a steel hull. No, not in the New Testament. It would have been wood. But look at my hull. It's very strong. And then all of a sudden, life comes hitting. And Paul's like, I told you. Told you not to. But do you know what he says next? This is beautiful. Verse 22. Take heart. But take heart. There will be no loss of life. Yeah, you know what? Your ship, it's going to be damaged. In fact, it's going to be a wreck. But you, your life is preserved. What was Paul doing? Extending a hand of mercy holding back what they should have deserved. I told you so. And do you know what happened next? In the midst, in the night, do you know what they do? He says, listen, you guys are hungry. They were weary. I mean, they were trying everything to keep this boat up. They were throwing things out, throwing things overboard. He's like, guys, hold the phone. You guys are tired. Let's sit down. Let's have some food. Can you imagine in the middle of a storm? What? I already feel seasick, and now you want me to put some food down me? He's like, but you're weary. Mercy. 
And do you know what they do? They sit down and it says this, Paul broke bread and gave thanks. Why did he do that? Jesus. See, mercy was available to them in that moment because Jesus had broken his body on the cross for them and he's done it for us. See, we can have mercy because of a great Christ and his great work on the cross. The reason we don't have to pay the penalty of sin, the reason God doesn't say, I told you so, so off you go, get, die on the rocks, is because Jesus took the punishment for us. You see, that's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the good news. Jesus took our place and all the stuff you've done, all the sin you've done, all the mistakes you've made, all the... Jesus says, I'm going to take it for you. I'm going to take it for you. You want to see God's mercy? Look at Jesus. It's free for us, but it costs God everything. (coughs) It says in James 2.13, mercy rejoices against judgment. Mercy rejoices against judgment. Listen, the judgment of God is an outworking of his justice for those that say no to his mercy. Listen, the judgment of God is an outworking of his justice to those that say no to his mercy. Do you get this? You see, mercy rejoices against judgment. I'd like to invite the band up as I finish. It says in Hebrews 4.16, we'll come up on the screen. Let us then with confidence, it may not, (laughs) draw near, there it is, to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Listen, friends we can draw close to him in confidence that he's not going to push you away, that he's not going to say you don't deserve it, that he's not going to say, I'm sorry, my mercy doesn't cover that bad thing you've done. He's not going to push you away saying that it's exhausted and he's going to be tender. I want that mercy. I need that mercy. I don't care who you are. I don't care the positions you've had, the success you've found in life, you need God's mercy. And I say that with respect and with love, you need God's mercy. We all need God's mercy. The question is not, do we need it? It's, are you going to fall on his arms and say, I need your mercy? Let us stand as I pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. I want to say this. Maybe you're here with us for the first time, or maybe you've been here many times, and maybe you've never said yes to Jesus that first time. And right now, there is something happening in your heart. It's almost like it's beating really fast. It's like these words that you've been hearing have been drawing you. If that's you, I want to say this. Today is a day of salvation. It doesn't matter what you've done, who you are. 
God's mercy is extended to you in this place. And I don't want you to leave this place without accepting the invitation of Jesus to new life and eternity with him. You have a choice. Will you reject the mercy of God? Or will you say, I need your mercy? And if you've never done that for the first time, I'm going to, every eye closed and every head bowed, I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy or come to the front, but if you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time, just put your hand up where you are. No one can see. I can see, but no one else. If you want to say yes to Jesus, bless you. That's okay. Bless you. Bless you. can put your hand down, hands down now. Thank you for those that raised it. I'm going to pray. We're going to pray all together a prayer. But I want to say this. You have just made the most important decision of your life right now. You are about to change the eternal trajectory of your life. You are about to walk into something new, to new life. And so what we're going to do now, we're all going to pray this prayer. And for those of you who put your hand up, those few, pray along. And what we're going to do now is a simple prayer to say, Lord, I need your mercy. Would you come into my life? Let's pray. Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I need you. I acknowledge that I am a sinner, that I've fallen short. I feel weary and tired without you. And I acknowledge that you are my Lord and my Saviour. Would you come into my life now, Jesus, and change me from the inside out? I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. Amen.